Welcome to the Gifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. Our guest today is Emiliana Goreca. Emiliana is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, an activist, and author. Emiliana, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I see that you've done a lot of amazing things. You just recently created the Women's March Action, or actually you did it a few years ago, but t- tell us what that's about, the Women's March Action. Oh, wow. So I created both the Women's March Foundation and Women's March Action um, for equity. Um, we're working on women's rights. We're working on, um, on, on basically making sure that the future is equal. Uh, I started this in 2016 um, after um, a disastrous election, in my opinion. Um, and so we've been building up sort of a, a, a base for women to connect, to run for office, um, to make sure that we are represented in the political spectrum. That's great. So do you feel that, like a lot of things, yes, maybe the election was the catalyst, but these things don't just happen in this one instance, right? I mean, when you're growing up, did you have certain experiences that you didn't feel that you your voice was heard or like, was there a a deeper? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I, I think I, I I was born with doing this. Um, I was, (laughs) I I was, you had brothers that you're fighting with or I don't understand. What do you mean? I think all around I was, I was, uh, supposed to be a boy and very revered of having a boy in my family. And I was supposed to be named after Emiliano Zapata. And here I come out as a girl. And so Emiliana, I have a lot of photos in blue. Um, but I also grew up with, um, five brothers and the way our parents were raising them were valuing the the boys work more. I also moved into event production as I started my business and I could see that there was no equity for it. I worked in an industry that, that really, really was male dominated. So I was trying to figure out how I was going to make sure that there was parity, gender parity within the event production space. But yes, I grew up where, you know, the boys got paid for some of the work and we're young, you know, we're kids, 12, 13 years old. And, you know, they were getting a, a, a bigger, <laughs> my dad would give them $10 and the girls would get maybe five or $7. So even in our household, there was no parity. Interesting. Did you ever tell your dad like hey <laughs> oh absolutely yes really? i was i was always that 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 pesty little girl that was like uh uh-uh, uh i need the 10 dollars so i remember my my dad was a gardener um and so he would in the summertime he would take the boys out to help him with his route and the girls would stay home and do laundry and clean whatever it is that we helped mom with but the boys would get paid from dad and we wouldn't the girls didn't so i pulled everyone together one summer and was like, no, they need to give us half because we're washing their clothes as they go to work. Otherwise we're like, I'm striking. I'm 14 trying to strike in my household. (laughs) So my dad, like my dad was actually fair. He said, okay, that's fair. So he ended up like really splitting it halfway. Um, and I mean, that was, I think, my first few days as, as an activist, I'm going to say, but also for gender parity and equal pay. No, but that's important because it's, it's really important that it's not just 
something that happens to you that you might find is inequitable, but do you have the courage to voice your concerns? Because I remember, let's say for me growing up, my mother had three boys and I'm the youngest. And I felt bad for my oldest brother because he didn't have any advantage. So if we had 12 popicles, they're going like, you know, four for each one, you know, like, so it was always, and I would tell my mom, like, hey, there's 12 popsicles, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but again, it's like what you were talking about where you had this situation and you raised it and your father was, was, was aware enough to accept it. And now in life, it's not always like that, you know, but the fact that you had that at an early age is great. So in terms of you being an author, I mean, did you write about that or what, what specifically did you write about? What's your book about? So I'm moving into my second book as an entrepreneur. My first book was more of detailing um, how I started Women's March Foundation, what it took to pull off the largest march in the nation in Los Angeles. Um, and who was all involved because people always think, oh, it's one person or an entity. No, it takes a lot of us doing the work as volunteers. We were all volunteers and we didn't know um, what it would turn out to, to be. But um, it's the story of how we put together this march with an, a volunteer base and how women came together to sort of trust that we could pull off this women's march in Los Angeles. So it's, um, so it's a story of that. And I'm now on my second book, I'm starting a book on, on what, it, what it is to be an entrepreneur and start small and, and how to get, how to grow your, your business, your endeavor. That's great. So let's talk more about the march because, you know, whether you're a woman or a man or, or whatever cause you are passionate about, because I'm sure there's there's parallels. I mean, there's 1.5 million nonprofits in the U.S. and there's 10 million NGOs in the world. So first of all, how many people were there when you say it's the largest march nationally? So our numbers came back from um, the city as 750,000 people on the streets um, in 2017. And then we had a scientist say it's closer to a million point two people wow, on the streets. That's, that's phenomenal. Congratulations. Right. So, thank you. Well, again, I'm sure a lot of, so one of my biggest role models is Dr. King, and he's a man that he wasn't just a black leader, or even American leader, he was a global leader. And back in that time, it's like 1960s, this is craziness going on. And yet he created this march, or he didn't even create it, but he spoke about that march. And so I'm curious, I know the underlying background of that, because I've studied that entire civil rights movement, but I'm curious, if you were to have a, a young woman that's 14 years old that maybe wants to push her own cause forward and move her own cause forward and create a march like what are some things you would you would talk to that woman about just like basic things you know I'm quite, I know there's a lot of details but there's always this crescendo there's always this, this tipping point so for you to go from nothing an idea to 750,000 it's like insane you know there's the kind of stages you know so I'm just curious if you can kind of break down some of the more basic ones that happened and what, what, what catalyzed the, the, the level of people that got involved. Right. Well, I think for us, it was positive messaging. I've, I've studied um, Dr. King and principles of nonviolence. Um, so for us, it was basically making sure that we were inclusive, making sure that we talk through what it is that we wanted to achieve. And for us, it was a gathering of people with like-minded, you know, women that were, um, felt like they didn't have a voice, women that felt that they weren't counted. Um, if there was a young girl out there that really wanted to organize, um, 
I would say to, you know, focus on what it is that, that you want to be heard about. Um, we actually were the organization that helped the March for Our Lives kids. Um, oh, wow. Transform that. Yes. I mean, um, Emma Gonzalez reached out and she Googled Latina activist and like I popped up and to me, I'm thinking there should have been 50 other Latina activists that popped up before myself. Um, so I think, I think helping youth voice their opinions, but letting them know that they have the power because they actually do. Um, I would say positive messaging, figure out what it is that you want to achieve build coalitions what that means is to be inclusive and invite everyone to the table so that because there's power in numbers there's power in coalitions so i think that would be my biggest um thing i think dr king did that well dr king reached out and wasn't just working for him it wasn't about him it was the larger good and i think that that's sometimes gets missed with nonprofits. Um, we need to look at big picture because what we do here locally can go global. Um, I was reached out by the Zapatistas in, in Mexico on how to organize their own march there. Um, and it isn't that they didn't know, but it was more of, is it doable? How can we do it? And it's about putting down your mission, making sure you're inclusive and including everyone and and trusting yourself, trusting that you can do this is key. With that being said, Emiliana, I mean, let's dive even deeper because frankly, again, there are so many causes out there, but how to, like, let's talk about the press, right? I remember meeting a leader. He said, there's no movement without the media, you know? So for you, how did you even get the media? Because 700,000 people are a lot of people. So I, I hear what you're saying, but that's a very amazing accomplishment. So how did you get the press involved? And let's, let's be like more specific in terms of those kind of strategies. Well, I think, I think messaging, um, we definitely reached out to media. We definitely, I think social media was really helpful for us that first year. Um, but definitely having the messaging, having a website, having enough volunteers to to handle those pieces because someone knows someone. I mean, I may not know a lot of people in the press, but there were volunteers that did. For example, there were volunteers that knew someone at LA Times, someone that said, oh, I worked for a news channel two years ago, I'll reach out. So we did it on a purely volunteer basis. And then towards the last two weeks, we actually had a PR agency reach out and said, we will we will give you pro bono services because they basically thought you have no idea what you're getting yourself into <laughs> because we had uh, started interviewing. We had press show up at our house. We were organizing out of a garage. Um, so part of it was the reaching out, but then at some point knowing that you do need professional services. I mean, when they came in with pro bono press uh, PR services, we were ecstatic because we could not manage the amount of, of press that was coming our way, nor were we prepared for interviews, for messaging, for all of that. But um, it did start out with the volunteers reaching out and then we moved into a professional services, but that was only a week before the march. 
so since you're we, we only have a, like a minute left so since your goal is really to forward equality for women i mean what's one thing us men can help you with I think speak up. If you see a room full of men where the p decisions are being made there, speak up. Why are they, or think about it, why are women not in that room? Women should be in all places where decisions are made. And so that's how to be an ally. That's a great way to end our interview. Mariana, thanks so much for your time. How can our guests learn more about you and support your cause? But they can go to womensmarchfoundation.org, um, uh, look us up, uh, womensmarchfoundation.org. Um, we'll tell you what we're all about. Great. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you.